Father, we thank you for this day and for your grace and the weight of your glory. And I thank you for what your spirit does, filling in the gaps in our lives, the many gaps we have. But you make us strong. I thank you for the spirit of understanding present to open the word of God to us and speak to our souls this day. And I thank you, Lord, that you're the healer. You're the deliverer. You're the God of our salvation, the God of grace. And I thank you, you're the same God, the same God that, that opened the Red Sea, the same God that rose Lazarus from the dead. And Lord, we, we lift you up and glorify your holy name this day. You're at work in us, you're at work in this city. Thank you, there's one church. And you are at work making our hearts one with everyone in this city. Speak to us by your word today and take a hold of us. I thank you for all that you would do, Jesus Christ. We love you. We bless you. We praise you. Thank you, Lord. Amen. Good morning, everyone. Good morning to those joining us online. Special hello to Chris and Helen. And the others that haven't introduced themselves in the chat. We're continuing with the subject of sin that David started last week. And if you haven't listened to his message, please go and listen to that one. It's called, Why is Sin So Loathsome? Powerful message. Ross turned two this year. And I had a... I was inspired to get him a special present, so I got him a fishing rod. So I don't know if it was a present for me or for him, but $12 rod, he loved it. For him, it's a, a weapon for chasing the dog around the house. So we do have to hide it. So we planned a little trip down to the causeway, just him and me, and he's only two, so I... I don't know, maybe I was expecting too much, but I thought he'd, he'd go okay. But it means we both could get out to fish. So we set up. You'll see a photo come up. And he was saying some outlandish statements like, I'm going to catch a whale. <laughs> he said it multiple times. And on the way down, he kept saying to me, Dad, Dad, we go fishing? Yes, Ross. We go fishing? Yes. Anyway, so threw the line in for him and he's holding it and um, within no time I look down and I see what you're about to see. <laughs> and I was a bit perplexed, but anyways, I got it out and turned around, try and get everything sorted out and I'm not that worried about it, but... Uh, I had set up my rod behind me, and it's. I was still contemplating whether I could manage me fishing and looking after him at the same time. And at this point, I was like, I don't think I can, but I'll just wait and see. But in no time at all, I turn around and I see that my rod is in the water. <laughs> and Ross says something like, Daddy, get it. And someone managed to get a photo of my face when I saw this. <laughs> After I managed to get through the shock, this is my Daiwa TD soul. 
This is a reel that when I get home, I just spray it with a little bit of water and polish it with a cloth. It does not get wet, but now it's in the drink. So I'm driving home and I call Sally and I was like, Sally, you, do not you don't know what happened. Ross threw my reel in the water. She said, oh, just wash it, just rinse it. <laughs> you don't understand what you're saying. I think the only person who understands is Tavis. I told him the story. His words were, there's only one thing more corrosive than hydrochloric acid. Anyways, I dropped it off at the fishing shop. I haven't got it back yet. It's being dismantled. And... Anyways, he's only two. And I love that reel. And I'll get it back and it'll be fine. And I can see the funny side and he'll eventually learn about looking after his dad's stuff, hopefully. <laughs> but it got me thinking about how much I love that reel. And, you know, is, is that okay? And I since then bought another reel, it's a pen slammer. So this reel actually can be dunked underwater, so. But what do you love? What do you think about? How much do you love it? Is it playing sport or is it Netflix or YouTube? You know, you can put on Netflix and just sit there. Next, continue watching. Five, four, three, two, boom. You don't even have to touch anything. Is it your boat or your work or going camping or sewing? The outdoors, hiking. What's the thing that you love doing the most? Is it making stuff with your hands? Is it what you wear, your clothes or shoes? Is it gaming? Watching sport, performing, playing instruments, relaxing, maybe doing nothing. Relaxing, listening to music or making music or drawing, collecting, going to the gym. You can tell that's something that I do often study, looking at the stars, photography, maybe ladies getting your nails done, or browsing marketplace. Is it still available? What do you love? Does time just dissolve away when you're doing that thing? Like we need hobbies, they're good for us, they keep life interesting but they can become a distraction. Or they might even become an idol. It's possible that they could receive too much of our affection, so we're moved by them a lot, but not moved so much by other things. In 2006, I went to Kenya on a mission trip before I moved to this church with the Salvos, and I spent four weeks in rural Kenya and when you're in Kenya in worship everybody's dancing and it took me a few days to really get into it but then I was like that's it I'm just gonna get into it and I just dance dance in worship let loose it was so liberating and I remember getting back to my local church and this moment in time where they're singing a song and everyone's sitting down and no one's moving, but I'd just come back from four weeks of freedom. 
And in my mind, I'm just like, what is going on here? Why is everyone just sitting here not doing anything? I Just this whole thing. That's it. I'm just going to stand up and get into this song. And I didn't realize that they said, when we finish singing the next verse, stand up if you've got a testimony. <laughs> so I remember standing up going, I'm going to get into this song, and they hand me the mic. What's your testimony? <laughs> Now you know that all these years later, I don't, I don't dance anymore. But the overflow of my heart in that moment of response from my experience of being on that mission trip was I just wanted to. My heart changed. And so when my heart changed, it was just easy to do it. And I wasn't thinking about anyone else. I was just in my own thing. But it changed slowly with time. And I know that things do change with time. And it's possible that perhaps the soil of our heart with the, the things of life isn't what it once was. And perhaps part of the heart could be soft and part of it can be hard. And we may have to do some gardening. Let's look at our text today. We're in Luke, Luke 7, 35 to 50. And as I read these verses, I want you to put yourself in this story. You've been invited to a dinner by a Pharisee named Simon. And you've heard that there's a bloke going to be at this dinner named Jesus. You've heard... He does amazing miracles. Lepers are healed and people see that have been blind. And it's your opportunity to sit near him on a table and listen to what he has to say. We read in verse 36, one of the Pharisees asked him to eat with him, that is Jesus, and he went into the Pharisee's house and reclined at table. Now these tables that they reclined at were short tables. So you imagine you're sitting down low, but your feet are behind you. Not like the tall tables that we generally have. And behold, verse 37, a woman of the city who was a sinner, when she learned that he was reclining at table in the Pharisee's house, brought an alabaster flask of ointment and standing behind him at his feet, weeping. She began to wet his feet with her tears wiped them with her hair of her head and kissed his feet and anointed them with the ointment. I want you to just ponder the, the response of this woman when she learned that she was in the presence of Jesus. She kneeled behind him. She wept. Her tears washing his feet it says that when she learned, she went and brought this offering of ointment, pouring it on him. And forgetting about who she was or who the people were that she was with, she let her hair down and dried his feet. Letting your hair down in that day was shameful in public, but she wasn't concerned what anyone else saw or thought. She was responding to Jesus. It reminds me of that verse in Isaiah, how beautiful upon the mountains are the feet of him who brings good news. 
Verse 39, now when the Pharisee who had invited him saw this, he said to himself, if this man were a prophet, he would have known who and what sort of woman this is who is touching him, for she is a sinner. <laughs> Jamie, sorry, I'm just going to blow my nose. Excuse me. It's so interesting here that Jesus responds to Simon, but it was Simon's thoughts to himself that he's responding to. Simon, verse 40, I have something to say to you. Notice how Jesus answers this man's thoughts. He names him. Jesus is fully aware of what this man is saying to himself. And he's aware of our thought life too. And he goes on to address these assumptions that he, was, that he wasn't a prophet by telling a parable. Verse 41, the parable begins, A certain moneylender who had two debtors, one owed 500 denarii and the other 50. When they could not pay, he cancelled the debt of both. Now which of one of them will love him more or will be more thankful? Verse 43, Simon answered, the one I suppose for whom he cancelled the larger debt. And he said to him, you've judged rightly. So we have two people here. Let's be clear that their debt is sin. And there is a debt that they cannot pay. One owed approximately one year and a half wages and the other two months. But they could not pay their debt. So the lender wiped both debts. Verse 44, then turning toward the woman, he said, Simon, do you see this woman? I entered your house. You gave me no water for my feet, but she has wet my feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You gave me no kiss, but from the time I came in, she has not ceased to kiss my feet. You did not anoint my head with oil, but she has anointed my feet with this ointment. Verse 47, therefore I tell you, her sins, which are many, are forgiven. For she loved much, but he who is forgiven little, loves little. And he said to her, your sins are forgiven. And verse 49, then those who are at the table with him begin to say amongst themselves, Who is this that even forgives sins? And he said to the woman, Your faith has saved you. Go in peace. So Jesus applied the parable that he just said to the Pharisee. And asked the question, Who loved more? When Simon welcomed Jesus into his house, he didn't show him any affection. Washing of feet, the kiss, the anointing. And these were not actually required acts. There was no expectation that these should be done. But they were absent from Simon and they were overflowing from this woman's heart. So the point is that Simon showed no gratitude towards Jesus 
because he knew nothing of the forgiveness of Jesus. But the woman, the sinner, looked down upon by the religious, she knew her forgiveness. And the response to her forgiveness was she overflowed with love. Having been forgiven much, she loved much. It wasn't that her love caused her to be forgiven. But the love she showed was the result of being in the presence of Jesus and knowing she was forgiven. I go back to my earlier question, what do you love? Or maybe it should be, how much do you love? I'm challenged by this story because it makes me question my affection towards Jesus. I know that there have been times in my life where I've been more passionate about him and others where I may not be. The nature of our hearts is there's potential that they can get hard. Think about your garden. How often do you have to weed your garden? How often do you have to stick the fork in your grass to loosen up that dirt that's got hard? You can water that dirt, the water's not going in, it just runs off. I'm borderline ready to go back and take my weed and feed back to Bunnings because I think it's a rip-off. I think it should be called Feed the Weeds because the more I spray it, it doesn't seem to kill the weeds. They just keep coming back. If our hearts are hard, we can't receive. We can't receive from people. We can't receive from the Lord. And the potential of having a hard heart is too that your response to the Lord may not be overflowing with that soft response that it could be. What do we do? We go to the Lord. We break up the hard ground. Hosea 10, 12, break up your fallow ground for it is time to seek the Lord that he may rain righteousness upon you. Charles Finney, the great revivalist, in his book, How to Experience Revival, developed a list to help people prepare their hearts for revival. I remember hearing about this book and was praying one day in my dad's office and I found the book on the shelf. I couldn't believe it. And I went through this chapter and by taking these steps and doing this thing, it was like someone vacuumed my heart, blew the cobwebs out, and I felt alive. It's a list of potential sins, and he encourages us to take the time one by one, look at the sin, write down on paper when we may have committed those sins, and repent for them one by one. If we're suffering from a hard heart, We've got some gardening to do. And gardening takes work. There's no easy way you have to do the work because they keep coming back. The thing about life is weeds keep popping up. You'll see a weed on a concrete path in a crack somewhere, there'll be a weed. They just pop up. But you want to plant a plant there, you'll struggle. But our hearts 
The word of God spread. He wants to do stuff. But if our heart is hard, if we've got beaten up, those seeds are going to struggle to bloom. He lists the sins grouped into either neglect, things we haven't done, or active choices. And it's not an exhaustive list, but it also gives you a place to start when you need to work on your heart. And perhaps you've done something similar in the past with forgiveness. We've talked about resentment, we've talked about forgiveness, and I think it's easier with forgiveness to think of specific situations in life where you might have to forgive someone. But with sin, have you taken the time to think of sins one by one and repent for them? I know sometimes it's easiest to say, oh, look, forgive me for all that stuff I did last week. But being specific, taking time, sitting, looking for them. This is not about striving. This is not about trying to earn forgiveness. Remember the parable. Both debts of the Pharisee and the woman were wiped. And if you're in Christ, you are forgiven. But it's about taking the time to check the quality of the soil of your heart. And it's something that we need to do. It's not something that necessarily God's going to come in over the top and do for us. If this is something that you would like to go through, you think it would be necessary for you, we'll have them available. We'll email them out after. If you're watching the video, they'll be in the description. But it's a process that you shouldn't rush, but take the time to thoughtfully consider your heart state before the Lord. If you're sitting there now and you feel like there's something that you want to respond to today immediately without going home, then we want to give you the opportunity to do that too. The important thing is that in dealing with sin, you take the time to break up the fallow ground of your heart, going to the Lord and repenting and seeking that he would break that ground and bring to mind things that you need to repent of. At the end of the story, Jesus said to that woman, your faith has saved you, go in peace. She overflowed with love because she was fully aware of how much she had been forgiven. What's the response in your heart right now to how much you've been forgiven? Is it overflowing with that life and that exuberant, instant response of dance or joy? Or has it got tarnished? Whatever it may be. The Lord knows. I thank you, Lord. The worship team can come. I thank you, Lord, that you give us mercy. You are a merciful saviour. I thank you that you are merciful because you have been tempted in every way that we have. I thank you that if any man is in Christ, he is a new creation. I thank you that when we confess our sins, you are faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness.
And I thank you. For tending to our hearts. I thank you, Lord Jesus, this day for, on behalf of us all, we want the soil of our heart to be tender. We want the soil of our heart to be aerated. We don't want any hard spots. We want a heart that receives refreshing and a heart that receives seeds. We want a heart that loves, overflowing with love and thanksgiving. But sin hardens us, Lord. Deliver us from the deceitfulness of sin, the hardness of sin. And I thank you that you send down refreshing rain and grace upon our lives. We're going to sing, but if you're here today and you do want to respond, something Lord's put on your heart, you are more than welcome to do that. Come and kneel, seek the Lord. If you'd be willing to go home and go through this list and pray through that, then they'll be available too. Before we pray, before we sing, I just want to declare a blessing from the words of Paul in Thessalonians. Now may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely. And may your whole spirit, soul, and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. And he who calls you is faithful. He will surely do it.